Hello and welcome to Radio. We are recording this episode in what is the last working week of 2018. Um, maybe some of you are more hardcore than I am and are going beyond the, the 19th of December, but we've been putting this episode off uh, because of the chaos of the year and we thought that we'd just squeeze it in at the end of the year because of the idea of discipline, which we'll unpack a bit later. So welcome to the show. My name is Ross Drakes and I'm sitting here with one of our previous guests, Renan Ayres. Welcome. How are you doing, Ross? I'm doing well. Well, I wasn't doing well until we started this conversation and now I'm in a slightly better place. Great. So in the spirit of the experimentation that the show is taking on, this is a slightly different format to the other ones we've been doing. Um, so we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. If, if, if it touches, touches you or speaks to you, let, let us know. Or if it's terrible, you can also let us know that we'll, we'll handle it. Um, it's, it's part of this theme that's been on the show for the last sort of three episodes around leadership, um, which was inspired by me going on the Global Leadership Academy in Washington, which is for me, I think probably one of the most fundamentally transforming experiences I've had on my in my EO journey. Um, and I know Renan, you share a similar a similar feeling. Yeah, I felt extraordinary or extraordinary privilege to be invited to go onto this, uh, which kind of feels like an elite group of leaders from around the world that that get chosen once a year to go to Washington on this five day experience which is a boot camp in leadership. And I, I really feel out of all the things that I've done in EO, this rocked my world. Uh, I fully agree. And I think one of the thoughts we were talking about um, that we want to kind of just discuss around a little bit is that um, great leaders hold themselves to a really, really high level of discipline. What I realized on the trip is when I heard that quote, is that I realize I'm not a great leader. I always, I always knew I've, I have great potential to be a great leader, but I knew the one thing I, I have a, a near enemy within, I've got a sniper that's getting in the way of my greatness, and that is discipline. As a, as a creative person, what I'm looking for is variety and options and um, not being held down by discipline. And what I realized is that's the very thing getting in the way of my greatness. So, so you're struggling with, with discipline. I'm, I mean, I'm myself the, the same. Uh, part of the, the whole program teaches you the idea that you should carve out a piece of time for yourself first thing in the morning to sort of set your intention for the day to train your brain in a positive way so that you start to perceive things in a more positive manner and to sort of, I don't know, process or deal with any thoughts or feelings that are kind of coming through so that you have this time to actively reflect and, and almost invest in yourself. Absolutely. So there, there's the daily discipline. But if I, if I think about myself, I wake up naturally by default in a dark space. I don't remember the last time I woke up really excited about the day. I wake up I kind of almost need the jaws of life just to get my eyes open. And then every leader knows their job in the organization is to inspire others, to be positive, to inspire people with a great vision and to lead them to the promised land. I find that my natural energy is the opposite. So 
what I learned on this program is to carve out that time in the morning. So I, I try as much as I can to have an hour. And that's really to reframe my own lens so that by the time I get into the office, I can be the person that everyone needs me to be. Because if I don't, then every issue, stress, um, and little thing that I shouldn't be fretting about is on my mind, and I'm just a ratty bitch. I mean, that's a very interesting thought that your energy or your frame of mind can have such a different outcome. So depending on how you walk through the door is how your business reacts or acts. I've, I've even heard from some of my team that there's a lookout. When I walk into the door, the receptionist makes a call, good or bad. And by the time I get to my, my office, they know whether to avoid me <laughs> Or to oh, so is there like a WhatsApp they, group or something that you know, goes like, on? You know, like when you go to the coast and they and there's a there's a lookout for sharks in the water. So I've got they've got strategic places in the office on my walk through to my desk, and people are making a judgment call as to what frame of mind I'm in, and they know whether to stay away or that it's going to be fine. That's that's an interesting thought. I mean, one of the things we were discussing before this is how. I've been struggling. I've, I've got a six-month-old son, Sebastian, and he decided over the last couple of weeks that 4 a.m. is his time to kind of wake up. And the time I'd carved out for my my focus was between 5 and 6 in the morning because he was still asleep and Leanne was still asleep, so I could do my thing. And then by the time I was done, they were kind of ready to wake up and then we could start our day. Um, and I've, I've been quite disciplined with the, the focus portion of it. So, you know, even when Sebastian's awake, I just take him into the room with me and I put him down on the play mat and I give him a little bit of attention and then I journal for a bit and between the two of us, we kind of figure it out. So I've been getting that, that portion of it right, even though it hasn't been particularly easy. But where I have failed is, is the idea of kind of moving your body and exercising your body every day. And I, I fell back into quite an easy root of let me just skip today let me skip the next day and next thing it had been six or seven days and the the exercise hadn't happened and it's such a key thing to setting your physical body you know you set your mind then you set your physical body and then you kind of go into the the world Um, and I think what you've just framed now is how important your frame of mind is to your organization. Because if you walk in in a miserable way, then everybody's avoiding you. And if they're avoiding you, they're not bringing you the, the things you need to know about. They're not collaborating with you. They're not, you know, they're just kind of avoiding you and placating you. And I wonder what the, the impact on the performance of the overall business is um, based on that. I think it, it rolls in the clouds. And from the clouds, you're creating more fear, uncertainty, and um, the opposite to what you turn out uh, or that you want to turn out. So you're you're creating um, insecurity and you're killing creativity, the very things that that in my kind of organization I'm there to foster. So just by walking in with a poor energy, I'm doing a disservice to myself, to uh, my team, my clients, and everything, I might as well stay at home. There'd be a much better effect if I switched off my phone and stayed at home. That's such a powerful thought. Have you ever tried to just switch off your phone and stay at home? I haven't evolved to that 
to that level of enlightenment yet, but, yes. I, but I, I, I've, I got to the point a few times this year where I realized that I'm frazzled. And that's where I kind of find myself at the moment is um, what I promised myself a year ago in this program is that I'm going to bring in daily discipline into my life to avoid me getting to the point of being frazzled. What I, what I describe as that feeling, so for me, frazzled means I've been compassionate to the point where I've given every bit of my being to everyone else. I haven't looked after myself, and now, now the resentment has creeped in, and I'm now resentful for every request that comes my way, whether it's a WhatsApp, an email, whether it's a request from, from a team member, I, I get resentful to the world, which brings the clouds back. Yeah. So I am my worst enemy and, I, and at times I'm either the best thing or the worst thing for, for our company based on that. So I mean, is the, is the difference there just literally the discipline, like holding yourself to, to the, the behaviors and the practices and the patterns and the habits that you know foster the right energy and and but it's so easy to sort of let them drop off if you're a little bit tired or you're a little bit sick or yeah so it's 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 no rocket science that leaders need to be in charge of their own energy so the best way to lead is to lead by example and if we have an extraordinary responsibility to bring ourselves back to center every day and sometimes multiple times a day Mm. and if you kind of let it go, it's like lifting your anchor and letting yourself drift out to sea. And wherever you land up, you land up. And so I would say for the first six months of the year, I was reasonably good. No, I wasn't. I, my discipline wasn't 100%, but it was 100% better than what it landed up to be at the end of the year. Yeah. And, and what I saw as things got tough, and where the discipline could have saved me from the land of frazzlement is I slowly let myself go. And day by day, week by week, I stopped exercising, I stopped meditating, I stopped um, journaling, and, and I kind of unraveled. And, and looking back, the very thing that I saw from this, from this leadership experience is the one thing holding me back is discipline, and it's the one thing that held me back um, in the last six months of this year. So while you were talking about your discipline, I was actually interested, what are the details of your first hour in the day? So, I mean, let's, let's take Sebastian out of the equation for now and pretend like he's sleeping. Then I would, at about five o'clock, I'd get out of bed, um, go through to the kitchen, get a really, really big glass of water, um, because I think you're dehydrated when you wake up and that's, one of the, the main killers of your, your kind of your brain uh, and often like a small piece of fruit or something like that because I'm setting up for, for exercise. I then move through into our, our shared studio space, I open a journal, I spend 10 minutes just journaling about things that I'm grateful for. So the last couple of days have been centered around friends and family and spending time with them and having great conversations with them. And this is literally just an exercise of programming my head to, to see the positive in the world because I think there's always going to be negative and there's always going to be positive. And I think we naturally train ourselves towards seeing more of the negative than the positive. Probably about 10 to 1. Yeah, yeah maybe even more. 
um, especially as entrepreneurs. I mean, you are you're, you you seek out the problems so that you can fix them, but the reality is you're focusing on negative stuff a lot. Um, the next section is to read something thought-provoking, something inspirational. Um, Warren Rustan gave us a book of kind of positive quotes. So I open it up randomly. I read one of them. If it doesn't speak to me, I think a little bit about why. If it does speak to me, I write it down. And then I've been reading a book um, on, on kind of designing a business with impact. Um, so I've been reading little paragraphs of that book and just highlighting little things just to kind of spark my thoughts. And if anything jumps out, I sort of write it down and the if I do write it down, if I'd written something the day before, I go back and I just kind of read that that thought that kind of popped out and that meant something to me. And the final step of the whole, or the, the journaling portion, is to then just deal with whatever thought, like what demon, what voice, what what's something you're grappling with, a concept, uh, a, a, a experience, a thought, the way you reacted to a situation, you just kind of process that. And out of that, I pull out my intention for the day. So then I set my intention and say, today I'm going to do something. So my intention for today, I realized that I've, I've sort of lost a little bit of the, the discipline from the, the, you know, I'm now, I think it's two months out from the program and I've lost a little bit of that. And I found myself creeping back into the old patterns, getting irritated cutting people off, getting short, saying things in a negative way. So my intention today was just to do to f- find three places that I can kind of reinstall a little bit of that discipline. It doesn't have to be huge. So I, I then, straight after this, I exercise for the first time in a week. And it doesn't have to be huge. You can do a 10-minute kind of high-intensity workout. And it just you've now set your mind nice and you've set your body nice. And at this point, my family is generally waking up and I can go and cook them breakfast and start that process. That's amazing. One of, one of the things that, that I've had to work out is part of my um, resentment bank that builds up is the fact that there's so many bids for our time and our resources as leaders. Mm. And so for me, I'm, I'm not a disciplined, actually not a disciplined anything maybe, but I, I'm, not, I'm not disciplined at journaling, but... What really works for me is that first hour, if I say it's for me and no one can take that away and I don't look at my phone until that hour is up, I find once I look at my phone, I'm sucked into the world Mm. because someone has sent you messages and there's emails and there's everything that's pulling you into the world. There's um, news headlines, there's, um, there's all the kind of negativity and bids for your attention that your hour suddenly gets taken up by the stuff so that you should be ignoring. And so in, in many ways, just carving out the hour to reframe my, my mind, to set intentions for the day, and to go out into the world just with, with real positivity, with intent of what I need to do so that no matter what happens once I walk through that door, that I know what I need to do so that I go home feeling good. It does also make a nice filter. So, so I've been experimenting with the intention. So sometimes I've been quite specific. Like my intention today is to, you know, kind of really show up at that workshop and deliver great energy and get a great product out. So that was very kind of focused. 
And I've also experimented with being a little bit more kind of open with it. Like, you know, kind of, I'm going to approach everyone with a smile today. But it is interesting that it does allow a bit of a filter in terms of when other things start coming at you, you can decide, you go, I remember what my intention was today. Is this thing a detractor or a builder of that intention? And I suppose coming back to discipline again, then it's, if it is a detractor, how do you make it go away, delegate it to someone else, reframe it? You know, how do you change it so that it actually does build towards your intention? Um, I think doing that consistently over a period of time will get you much further than just reacting to whatever priorities anyone decides to throw. You know, you wake up, your staff have a priority for you, your clients have a priority for you, your family has a priority for you, and they don't necessarily align with the intention or the the purpose that you're kind of setting for your day or your week. I feel the same. I, f- I think one of my biggest fears is, is when I get into that frazzled state where I feel everyone owns my time, I can't do anything that I need to do, and I don't feel there's a way out in the immediate future. I feel so drawn into everyone else's stuff that I feel almost like my stuff is secondary and I almost don't exist. I exist for everyone else, which is, on the one side, we'll speak later about servant-driven leadership Mm. and how that's a good thing, but to what extent. And for me, being centered kind of builds a, a, a wall that day by day you're adding a brick and you're adding a brick that gives you enough defense against many, many opportunities and bids for our attention and resources that we can make an informed decision. I'm going to take that on or I'm not going to take it on. When you're And why? And why. And if if you don't have that defense, then everything everything feel everything gets through and you feel like everything you need to get involved in and it just sucks you back in. And it's just like opening the News24 app and you're back sucked into those Never damn headlines. That. The single biggest uh, life hack you can do is delete all the news phones of everything you own. Um, I think it's a lovely, I mean, a lovely thought in that is I've started to be honest with my team about why I'm saying no. And I found that their reaction to it is so much more positive. So it's, you say, listen, I'm not going to help you with that because I'm currently trying to do this. And this is important, you know, for the following reason. So I can't, you know, like I can't, maybe can we find some time later or can we reframe it or whatever? And they often are, are, they're like, okay, I can see that you're doing something really important. And I can see that what I brought you is not necessarily as, as important as that. And it's amazing how much of that, those kind of asks and those attentions like go away. If it is big enough, they'll be like, okay, let's reset for tomorrow afternoon. Can I have an hour? Can I, you know, and, and they, you, you kind of work it in, but quite often people are like, okay, I, I hear, I see where you're at and I'm sure I can sort this out on my own. And quite often they actually do. Yeah. Which, which got me thinking to one of the other speakers that we had, uh, he was a fascinating guy, Malik, who works with troubled youth. And he came up with a way to make real change um, amongst youth, but also in, in organizations that he works with. And I think as leaders, we always assume that because we're the leader, we have everyone's respect. And because they need to respect us, they'll listen to everything that we say, 
They'll take it on as if it's their own. And if we feel they need to improve or change their ways, they'll do it in the way that we want them to do it. And I know that, that certainly doesn't happen in my world. And one of the things he spoke about is that we really need to connect in with our people. So if we, if we want to build trust, the best way to do is to have constant, constant connection with whoever you're working with. If your team feel really connected in with you and you can be really honest where you are and where you're at, but where the company is too, that builds a huge amount of trust. And if you can build a huge amount of trust, then you'll have a secure gateway to now challenge anyone in your team to change. And that for me, I, I tried when I got back and it's, um, it has certainly proved brilliant. I wonder if you had similar thoughts. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I love that idea of connection, uh, like connection plus challenge equals change. And I've seen when you almost want people to change and they don't, then you, you had an expectation and they didn't live up to that expectation, but you didn't necessarily make it very clear. And you then live in that gap in between feeling dissatisfied and upset. And if you bring it up with them, they're often confused because they're like, I don't understand, you know, like because we weren't kind of there. And I, I, I do think in some instances I haven't invested enough in the kind of connection with people. And I think showing up and making making sure that you're there for them and helping them in the context of your business does lead them to, to trust you. And then it is much easier. And I've had a few kind of tough conversations, things that I might've avoided in the past where I've spent some time just sort of catching up on where they are and helping them and helping them through stuff. Then you, you, you buy the right to say to them, cool, like I think you did this badly and I think you can do it much, much better. And I'm here to help you, but I'm not going to do it for you. So what are you going to do in order to make that not happen again? And it's amazing how people respond to that kind of feedback because I don't think anyone wants to do a bad job. You know, I think they want to do a good job. Sometimes they, they, they don't have the, like they, they can't see what they're doing wrong. No one's ever told them. You haven't clarified your expectations. I think there's many things that kind of go wrong. And I think by investing in that connection, you clear up a lot of that, that kind of stuff. And then it gives you that right to kind of go, okay, and I want you to take five leaps in a month and become a 30%, you know, more efficient at this. Or I want this thing to go away. I want you to take over that whole project. I want you to step up and do this thing. And I've only experienced positive feedback from people when you kind of set those challenges for them. Yeah, I totally agree. Of, of the people in my team that, that I had constant connection with, when it came time for their mid-year and their end-of-year review, there was nothing new to discuss because we're constantly connected and checking in with what they want to achieve. Mm. In fact, they were actually much further. And, and based on that, I, I want to take on more this year in terms of connected relationships in the office. And two... So it's just going to be a sex party at Student Village. All out. I want to see if, if, if we get some, if I get a lot of CVs after this podcast. Okay, probably. Yeah. So the, the other thing that I figured from this kind of process is, is if people want to know the reason why, so you mentioned it, that like you get a much 
more positive reaction when you explain to people, this is why I'm saying no. This is why I don't think we should go in that direction. And they kind of get it. Mm. It's both from, I mean, younger employees especially, but everyone appreciates the why. And so my intention for 2019 is to take it one step further and try not to be Mr. Snappy Head. So well, Mr. Snappy Head gives you the no without the why. And so I, I know that's my own work in progress. And especially when I'm frazzled, I don't have the patience or, or the, um, um, the intention or the ability to go through the why. From 2019, I'm, I'm going to really invest in the why. It's almost the most important part. And I think it gives us a lovely segue to our next thought, which is that great leaders you know, kind of operate from a, a place of purpose and they're very clear on what their purpose is. I think the three thoughts that Warren shares is that leaders have clarity of vision, which is usually talking about your why. Then they have certainty of intent and you say we're doing this and it might be uncomfortable, but we're doing it for these reasons. This is why we're kind of doing it. Then, and the final one is to operate from a place of kind of understanding your values. So what behavior is completely unacceptable to you? What behavior do you kind of expect? And if you can get those three things right, I think you you have a much higher opportunity to to succeed. Yeah, I mean, Warren Rustin is is a giant of a person. He's, um, I know I know some people in South Africa or in the region have come across him at the RLA, and to be honest, the 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 first few days of of the course or of the academy, uh, I was very resistant and I pushed back a lot with it, with his teachings. It's just because I felt not everyone knows their purpose. I certainly didn't know my purpose. I kind of knew what I should be doing, but I couldn't define it and distill it to a, a, a line or a thought because I feel like I have multi-dimensions. I'm a, quite a complex individual, but I kind of know in a few buckets, what I do that, that makes a real difference. And, and he kind of didn't know what to do with that. I've, I've fought him on it at every opportunity possible. And he's the kind of person who's known his purpose since he was a teenager. And it almost feels like he was born with it, <laughs> yeah. born with it in place. You know, like that silver spoon and it was engraved in that silver spoon <laughs> yeah. what, what his purpose was. And and it, it really was so uncomfortable for me for those, for those few days. And then I remember coming to the end and we had to like journal um, our thoughts and our learnings and kind of create a summary of, of what we're going to take back with us. And I remember sitting with it and thinking, the story with this damn purpose, like uh, it's still not sitting with me. And I, I feel like the heretic amongst the group because everyone's talking about their purpose. And then suddenly, while I wasn't looking, something dropped. And it, for the first time, it felt like I could distill my own purpose. Are you willing to share that for everyone on the? Sure. Um, my purpose is to help others find their land of possibility. So I know my skill set is really connecting deeply with people and helping them or their business or their brand to really find out what their perfect set of um, circumstances there um, to achieve 
their next step, help them through transition. And, and that's a place where I feel when I'm at my best, when things flow. That's very cool. I mean, for me, it's, it's uh, interesting how it's in a similar, similar world, but very like, it's, it's different because I suppose it's my own purpose. And that is, um, I, I believe I'm here to make the world a slightly lighter place by changing perspectives, um, inspiring people and making people laugh. And when I use that to reflect on my business, I see the jobs and the products and the things we deliver that, that I really love are the ones that align with that and the ones that, that I don't enjoy and feel like a slog and make it hard is when it becomes a lot more transactional and I don't really care about it and my clients don't really care about it and it becomes this kind of just exchange of cash for, for work and kind of, uh, you know, I can love it or leave it. And I think when, I'm, when my purpose and my business are in line, I, I go to sleep thinking about it and I wake up thinking about it and it's not in a negative way. It's not in a way that you wake up and think, fuck, Oh, I've got to do that today. You wake up, you're like, oh, I thought about it. I've got an idea. Like I can, I can improve that. I can add that in there. What if we did that? Maybe we should think about this. I think that's when you're kind of in line. And it's been an interesting filter for me because obviously it runs in their kind of strategy generation perspective for next year. And, you know, I, I subscribe to running a sort of multi-year strategy because I think one year is too short to really achieve anything meaningful. But we're halfway through a strategy and I think there's some things that I need to adjust and I'm using my purpose as a very good way of filtering the things that I want to invest more energy and more time and more money into and the things that I want to start the process of moving away from to kind of leave it, leave it behind. That's brilliant. I, you know, in my frazzled state and we're sitting in our own strategy sessions and I'm, I'm thinking what I know about myself is I'm great in the big picture. Anything in the detail and the operation is literally taking all my goodness and puncturing the container that it's in. And it's, uh, it's something that I've let happen every year for as, as long as I've been involved um, in my business. And I'm, I'm going to be making some firm decisions next year in terms of either hiring other resources or keeping myself away from the operations and making sure that I can stay in my visionary creative space because that's when I'm a service to um, myself and my purpose. But I, I can absolutely add huge benefit to both our team, our clients and humanity. I mean, I think that's an interesting segue into our last sort of thought that we want to share with you guys is this idea of servant leadership. And I think for me, when this concept landed, it, it really did speak well to me. And I think the idea here is that great leaders are able to follow. And, and in that thought is the idea that anyone can stand up and be a leader it's actually quite easy to have an idea and it's quite easy to stand up and say, I want to do this thing. What's more challenging is to find the first person who's willing to stand up and go, I back that. I buy into that. I'm willing to stand next to you and be like, let's do this thing. And, and I'm keen. And uh, I suppose hearing what you're saying is it sounds like you need to look at your team and say, okay, who, who are the leaders in this team and how can I, 
inspire them to step up and become leaders and I'll be their greatest follower and their greatest backer and their loudest champion, allowing them to kind of pick up the reins and kind of run, be it the operations or the the day-to-day or the finances or whatever it is that you you know that you're not particularly good at. You need to find someone who is sitting there going, my purpose is to make something run I just like I see things as machines and I want to make them into these like well-oiled running beautifully. If you find that person, allow them to be a leader and you step in and follow them. Allow other, give everybody else in your company permission to also jump on board and follow them too. I think you can be in a great space. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, how many of our decisions do we feel that we're either avoiding pain or chasing a sugar rush? And so just because your, your purpose doesn't connect with the pain point you're having. The, the notion that there are people in your organization, that their purpose could be your pain point. Yeah. And often there, there's this huge release in, in a matching that or finding people from ex- externally to come in and, and help you with one of your pain points. And really what I looked at in terms of servant-driven leadership, like it, it sounded odd when I, when I just heard the name, but, but when, when you really look into it, think about being an EO leader. We've all got enough stuff on our plate. Why do we put up our hands to lead an organization of peers? You know, at at the, the face of it, that doesn't really make sense. But if you speak to any EO leader, you'll find the richness in experience and you experience the organization at a much deeper level than if you were just an ordinary member going to your forum and an odd few events. And really comes down to, to the thought of, well, let me say this. Do you think as a leader, when you start your business, that there's a preloaded app that says great leader mm. and it just comes with? And I, I don't think it's necessary. You could have a great idea, but you're a crap manager and you don't know how to lead. So... Servant-driven leadership for me is, is that notion of, yes, I may be running the business, but it's I'm here to serve the people that are making the business happen. And it's really, it's the opposite to that narcissistic entrepreneur that says, I'm paying the bills, they've got to make it happen and make it happen the way I say, and they've always got to be available for me but I don't necessarily have to be available for them. Yeah. And so this is something that I naturally get, but at the same time, uh, um, I'm not brilliant at drawing the boundaries between a healthy servant-leader relationship and an unhealthy. Because my, my own cycle is kind of, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there, but I give too much, I don't do enough of my own stuff, then I resent everybody, and then I have to hop off the wagon repair, come back, and start again. Um, but, the, but the principle and the idea of serving those under us, um, I think, produces much better results. And it's often what we dream our politicians to be. Drop the ego and serve the people that put you in power. Yeah, I think you, you touched on the fourth there with the ego. I think it is 
you know, I know when I struggle with this, it's because the ego gets involved that you're like, wait a minute, this is my company. This is my thing. Why, you know, like, what are you doing challenging me? How dare, you know, like, and I think that's, those are the thoughts that then hold you back. And, you know, I think one of the dreams that a lot of people share is that, that you, you want to build this business so that one day it can look after you and your family without requiring tons of your time, you know, like 18 hours a day and all of your health and your mental energy and all of your emotions and everything being poured into it. And I think the only, that there's only two ways that this will end. The one is that somebody buys you for a ton of money and you can just walk away with a smile on your face. But the other one that's more likely is that you, you allow other people to step into leadership positions. You, you allow your ego to take a step back and make space for them to run their own piece of the, the ship to maybe not do things 100% the way you would. Maybe they have a different take, a different idea, a different kind of pull than you do. And you need to be comfortable to realize that, that that's not my area of expertise. That's not the area where I'm the most passionate. And that is where they are the most passionate. So for me to tell them how to run it for me comes a lot disingenuous because I don't know how to run it well because I've been running it badly. And that's why I put you there. But I think there's the struggle I have is you then still, part of you feels like you need to get back involved and get in their way and stop them kind of doing what they need to do. And I think that's where the idea of followership, being a great follower or a great servant leader is is important to me where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I know why I put that person there. So I'm going to do everything I can in order to lift them up as opposed to kind of establish my dominance over them or whatever concept that is that, that kind of I struggle with. Yeah, I, I certainly think that if, if you look at the world that we're in, it's chaotic and chaos is the new normal. And before there was the idea that, that the leader knew everything and he just has to distill the vision and make sure everyone's on the same page and aligned and we'll be fine. In this new world of chaos, I think we need diversity of opinion. We need lots of ideas and the leaders have to know what to do with the data in order to formulate the vision. And so in order for that, you've got to really deflate your ego and allow lots and lots mm. of opinions in. So it's almost that thought for the year going ahead. Well, as a leader, how much room is your ego taking up? In your organization. I love that idea. Um, I just to kind of end things out, there's five points that Warren shared at the end of the, the Global Leadership Academy is that great leaders commit to a high level of discipline, which we talked about. Um, they live with purpose, I think, which we, we talked about. You act with intent. Um, you make conscious choices around your time and the people you surround and how you support them. And I think the final one is is speaks to this idea of servant leadership is that you engage in a course in a cause that's greater than yourself. So you you're not self-serving, you you're serving others. How do you help the other people around you succeed? And how do you keep them on track and give them a direction to kind of head in and allow them to sort of flourish? I think that's that for me is what great leadership looks and feels like. Totally agree. Awesome. Well, that was a great chat. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ross. And and I hope um, that this speaks to even one of you and that when you're planning or plotting out your year um, 2019, may, may this be uh, a little bit of a help in order 
to sort of direct you there? Be, be intentful. Intentful. Uh, Intentfulness. Show intentfulness in not being frazzled. Well, thank you very much. You've been listening to Radio, which is a podcast by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa. I would like to intentionally thank our sponsors, uh, Bidvest McCarthy, Bidvest Car Hire, 10XE, and LabourNet. You guys are amazing, and thank you for supporting this organization, EO, that has meant a lot to me and so many other people. Um, I would encourage all of you to join the path of leadership because it unlocks opportunities like the the Global Leadership Academy. Um, And I think there's two people here that share this view that it's one of the most powerful experiences that you can be through. And I think it comes, comes from putting yourself in service to a cause greater than yourself. So thank you very much for listening um, and to share a thought that Carlos uh, Cobian uh, shared with me is that knowledge, sharing knowledge is obligatory. So if there's anyone you know out there that needs to hear this, please share it with them. We would totally appreciate that. Thank you very much and we'll catch you guys in the next one.